Hey, this is Julia, and welcome back to Aquarian Times. So today is June 16th, 2021, and um, this is episode 41. So thank you for joining me today, and I have a great episode. It's um, with with Dr. Kayana Zalish, and I just want to give a little heads up uh, for trigger warnings. There's some uh, sensitive material perhaps um, that might be triggering. And if that is the case for you, just you know, turn off the recording or come back to it at a time when you feel like you can listen. Um, so oftentimes these important conversations that we need to have are uh, challenging to, to be with, right? The, the emotions, the feelings, the images, the realities that we don't really wanna face we don't really want to deal with often, um, and that can cause, you know, some some triggering. And uh, if you need to take care of yourself and and again take a pause, please do that. So we are talking about trauma in this episode, um, specifically how our nervous system becomes maladapted to um, events in our lives, becomes maladapted through being exposed to events um, or situations, circumstances in our lives that uh, create these maladapted responses in our system. So when we have been um, abused, when we have been neglected or um, in some way um, shamed, uh, emotionally abused, bullied, um, or uh, just not loved and not appreciated in the way that we needed, uh, we can, we form a maladapted response to that behavior, which basically leaves us in a contortion. Um, and when our system becomes contorted, as you can imagine, the, the example I like to use is from the book, uh, The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kock. And he talks about the amoeba and you know, if you just imagine a, an amoeba, which is kind of just a sprawling uh, energetic blob, right? And you take a, a pin and you you poke, you prick the amoeba, you poke it right in the center, it will contract, it'll draw itself in, it will and contract into a little shape. And if you leave it alone and its conditions are uh, sunny and warm and whatever, it'll just start to spread back out, right? It'll go, okay, I can relax now. I can release. I can relax. Come back out to its amoeba blob shape. But if you take a needle again and you poke it, it's going to contract again. And this time it's going to be like, wait a minute. Now this could happen at any time, at any place. And I can't uncontract. Like I'm so nervous that this needle is going to come poke me again. I'm not going to relax. Like I, there's no room to relax. There's no time to relax. And it starts to ruminate about that, you know, <laughs> the, the possibility that's happening again. And, you know, it's just totally contorted and stressed out and um, in, a, in a little pinch, right? So this is what happens to us. This is what happens to our nervous systems when we go through repeated uh, events, abuses, um, and again, neglect, because we, we don't know what we're not getting. We don't know what... Um, our needs are not being met, but we're kind of in a spaced out, um, you know, um, state, 
because uh, we're just unattended to, right? So this happen, these uh, events can happen early, early in our life, can completely shape us. It's a whole long topic. Uh, we talked about this in the attachment theory episode um, with Padma Gordon. If you look for that one, uh, we talked about these issues in childhood. So anyway, uh, we go deeper into this um, today with Kayana. Uh, she's a clinical psychologist, so she has a lot of experience with studying and um, understanding these things. So I really do hope this episode is enlightening. Um, that again, we talk about the the more awareness that we, we can bring to these issues and also to um, helping people wake up to the fact that they are in a maladapted response. Because the point is that we, if it's all we ever knew, we have no idea that we, that our maladapted state is, there's any other options, right? To, there's any other options to feel than this contraction because it's how we had to adapt and control our life. Um, so I'm just so, um, I just think these conversations are so important right now on the planet. Um, as much we, as we can do to, to talk about these things because they're happening all around us. They're happening inside of us. And it's really, um, it's really a tragedy, you know, that so many people are going untreated, um, and unhealed because they don't know what is even wrong. So thank you, Kayana, for coming on today. Uh, there's a little intro here. We're going to get right into the interview. We have, it's about a 50 minute interview and please, uh, get in touch at juliabermum.com with your comments. You can find Kayana's, uh, information in the show notes if you want to reach out to her, um, and, uh, to work with her or learn more about, you know, what she does. So, so yes. Uh, I hope you enjoy, and I'll see you on the other side. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, so welcome yeah. to Kay yeah, welcome to Kayana Zalish. She's here today as my guest, and um, Kayana is a therapist. Uh, she's a trauma-informed therapist and specializes in trauma, and I'm going to have her sort of introduce herself so she can tell us more about her work and how she came to it, if whatever she wants to share today. Yeah, good morning, good morning. Thank you for inviting me. It's wonderful to be here with you. And um, yeah, I'm a licensed psychologist currently. And um, I, you know, originally I went into becoming a mental health professional when I was still employed in the fire service. Um, because of a lot of the sexual harassment I was dealing with and things like that, I was like, well, maybe if I'm a psychologist with the fire service, <clears throat> you know, and not a fire captain, some of that could shift for me and not get so much of the sexual harassment and, you know, discrimination I was experiencing. And so I started, started back to school when I was still in the fire service, um, and then ultimately retired from there with a post-traumatic stress disorder diagnosis mm -hmm. from the job. Um, and that's kind of what led me into my work and my interest in trauma <clears throat> And again, my, you know, the, of course, with first responders and things like that, there's all kinds of traumatic incidents they deal with. Mine was more of the sexual harassment and sexual assault issues that I experienced uh, <clears throat> more than the job itself, the, the workload. So that's what got me into it. Mm -hmm. um, 
de developmental trauma issues as well. Of course, that's why we become first responders in the first place. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I uh, kind of got myself my bachelor's degree in psychology while still employed in the fire service. And then part of my uh, lawsuit and whatnot, I, I left the fire service and I started my graduate program. So that's kind of how that kind of ran in tandem for me. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, wow. <clears throat> that sounds... So you were inspired to go to school and learn about what you were experiencing. Exactly. So how was that journey for you? Like, you know, it was very uh, arduous, very painful, very hard. I, my graduate program, I went to the Institute of Magical Studies. They're now merged with Meridian University. Um, but it was really life changing for me. It just sent me on such a whole other path and, um, Really, a lot of healing happened for me there. It was such an amazing program. It really was. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't end up working with fire service personnel, per se, originally. But it's interesting. My life is kind of coming full circle. And I'm just now starting to work with a program. Uh, it's a first responder program over out of Angwin. And volunteering with them, doing some of the brain spotting that I do for for first responders. So it's like, wow, it's finally come full circle. I'm getting to do what I set out to do 20 some odd years ago. Oh my gosh, that must be really satisfying and kind of exciting to. It's exciting. It's like, oh wow, it's my people. <laughs> yeah, right. Totally, yeah. totally. So when you say like your people, I, I'm curious to hear more about what. Like, what are the characteristics of people who understand this nervous system, uh, I would say, uh, hypersensitivity or hyper, hyper dysregulation? Or can you, can you talk about um, what happens to our nervous system? And maybe, maybe can you talk about, in a first responder, what is happening in their system that maybe led them to do that work? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. So it was really funny when I was over at the uh, the center, one of the, the clinicians, you know, said, you, we only have to ask two questions. And one, were you sexually molested as a child or did you grow up with a narcissistic alcoholic parent? They asked that to all the first responders? They kind of just put it out there like, that's why you're here. That's why you're a first responder. I mean, oh my God, I'm getting goosebumps. It, it, yeah, it just boiled down. Oh my God. Yeah, it boils it down. And that's why we go into the work we go. Wow. Wow. Cause you know, that's the first I've like heard, I mean, I've never been trained in something like that. So that's really heartening to hear that the people who are training these people are that, that aware of what they're dealing with. Yeah. So oh, the beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful what they're doing there. Yeah. So the people that are training that this leads me to ask the people that are training them, are they trauma specialists? How do they come they to the are, they, So the people that work at, uh, it's, you know, um, what is it? First responder uh, support network. And then the actual place over in Angwin is the West Coast post-trauma retreat. And it's a six day program for first responders. But we are all previous first responders. We all volunteer for this. No one's paid. It's just, we want to give back. Okay. Um, so oh. yeah, we've all walked, okay. walked in the shoes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you, okay. Um, so these are, but, but everybody who is, um, not being paid and for this particular thing 
is a first responder in their profession though? In their history, their current or past, a lot of, a lot of us are retired out of it because oh. of what happens to us. Which is, can you be specific about that? Being traumatized either, either by the agency or by the work itself. Um, Cause you know, it's pretty horrific the things that happen. It's, you know, it's that uh, we're having normal reactions to abnormal events is what we talk about with trauma. Okay. Yeah. Can you, can you, can you um, go deeper into what that means? So people understand what a normal reaction to an abnormal event, what does that look like? Right. So, you know, I mean, all of us experience tragedies in our life, right? Um, the first responders or people who are exposed to multiple traumas over and over and over at some point are, 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 sympathetic parasympathetic limbic system becomes stuck on mm -hmm. right and so that light switch does not turn off and that's where we're we're looking at post-traumatic stress injury is what they're calling it now rather than post-traumatic stress disorder which mm -hmm. i really like because injuries can heal right absolutely and injuries are caused and injuries are caused right? yeah and previous to an injury there was a healthy there was health there was health. We were born with health, right? <clears throat> but when we get exposed over and over and over to traumatic things, or it can be a single huge event, you know, anything that we perceive as life-threatening to ourselves or others, mm -hmm. or, you know, severe injury, that can be traumatizing to us. And then it dysregulates our brain. We get neuro channels grooved into our brain that will kind of get stuck on. And yeah. so beautiful work with trauma work, trauma-informed work, is that we're actually creating new channels, new neuro channels in our brain that we go to rather than this traumatized place that kind of just is our go-to place over and over and over. And then we see our trauma response as a fight, flight, freeze, and it attached, right? We have five of those. Right. So, so, I, so what I understand just for people listening is, um, you know, I heard recently somebody say, the reason people don't get out of abusive relationships is because they don't know that they're in one, mm -hmm. right? A clinician said that, and that's what you're describing is you don't, it's normal. You don't realize you're being abused because that's all you ever knew. Right. And so, so can you tell us a little bit about what happens um, sort of physiologically to someone um, in their system when they're at the receiving end of a, dis, a dysregulating um, situation or heated uh, sure. situation. Sure. So, so <clears throat> you know, we have our initial event that happens or initial events, right? And so what happens is our frontal lobes actually start shutting down. Frontal, frontal lobes are a thinking, reasoning part of our brain. That's how we solve problems. It's how we pay our bills. It's, you know, it's our logic brain. Yeah. And that, when we're in a traumatized state, actually shuts down. Yeah. We, we can't think straight. Yeah. Realistically. And we go into the limbic portion of our brain which and, and our brainstem, which is our survival instincts. That's where our trauma responses come from. Mm -hmm. And so people who are now experiencing, you know, PTSD or PTSI responses are popping back into their limbic system, their survival instincts are coming up, whether it's real or imagined trauma, because right here, right now, there's nothing threatening. But if I get triggered, I'm in that place again. Mm -hmm. 
And so we go into those survival instincts and that's where we see some maladaptive behaviors, mm-hmm. right? It's like, why are you, you know, jumping in your car and driving away? Or why are you screaming at me? Because all I said was X, Y, and Z, it's no big deal. Right, right, right. Right. And so realistically, we, we can't think straight in those moments. Yeah. Our little amygdala goes danger, 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 respond in a survival way. Mm -hmm. Even though in the current moment, it's not actually happening. Right. So it, it's sort of like a, it takes over our, our body, right? This, this, Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, um, yeah. So, and you can't really necessarily tell from the outside. I mean, it, it can, can become apparent obviously by people's behaviors right. when they're activated, but we have become, we have normalized or pathologized um, the behaviors that are the coping mechanisms, like say the OCD or the, the stuff that people do out of this um, dysregulated state and we've made that wrong instead of the incident that caused the dysregulation. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So yeah, and then people <laughs> identify the behaviors and you know, it's kind of like, what's wrong with you? And it's like, well, I'm having a normal reaction to a perceived abnormal event. Yeah. Right? Because yes. That trauma channels got activated. Yeah. I just, I feel like I just really want to highlight that. Um, Again, after going through 2020 and it just, the, the idea that having a normal reaction to an abnormal event, because our, our culture is, is so maladapted across the board. Right. Um, yeah. And just like you said, life. they want to pathologize everything. Right, right. Gosh, so I know we're going a little off, off script. Is that okay? Oh, sure, yeah, whatever. Okay. I figure, but so I kind of, I'm curious what your take is a little bit on DS, DSM is the Diag- Diagnostical Statistics, Statistical Manual. Um, yeah. What is your take on that whole book of, di- which is the book of diagnoses that this, that psychiatrists use? Uh, you know, I see you it as see a um, kind of template that's Western medicine to put things into categories to bill insurance companies. <laughs> you know, um, it, it can describe a group of behaviors, but really I, I like to see the person as a whole being, you know, rather than locking them into a label. That's just yeah. personal bias. Um, and it's, you know, as a licensed person, I have to adhere to that. and. Mm-hmm. You know, but I really try not to work from that place when I meet with people because we're co-healing in our work together. Yeah. 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 So um, again, how long you said you've been a therapist now for 20, has it been 20 years now? Well, I think I got licensed in 2006 or seven. So okay. yeah, okay. I started graduate school actually. And well, I started graduate school in 1999. I went back to college in the fire service in, gosh, when I was, I was 28 years old, I think, when I went back to college. And it took me a long time to kind of get through, you know, undergraduate work and stuff like that, because I was out on the fire line a lot. Okay. 
I was sending midterms in uh, by by mail because I was reading my book on the fire line and I couldn't make it to class. So I'm like, well, let me make up my own test. <laughs> I'll send it in and see what happens, you know. And my my instructors are always really good about that, right? That's nice. So what I'm curious about is um, in your span of your career, uh, what is your observation around um, trauma-informed um, awareness in the field of, of psychologists and therapists? And well, it's certainly growing, um, but I find that, you know, talk therapy is beautiful and we can get through a lot of our issues with talk therapy, but to me it's it's the starting point, it's not the end all. And there, it, it, you know, in the last 20 years, especially, there's been a lot of movement with doing trauma-based therapies, whether it's, you know, somatic experiencing or movement therapy of some type, or I'm doing the brain spotting, there's EMDR. And really, and I think most people in our culture, I mean, again, my bias, have, have been traumatized somewhere along the line. You know, I just yeah. like hard these days. Right. Um, so there is a growing movement for it, but there are a lot of people that aren't trained in trauma and they really, they really miss things, I think, sometimes. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm curious about is I know from my own personal journey, you know, that it wasn't at all taken in consideration in the mid 90s. Mm -hmm. um, and I know it's it's become way more just you can find it everywhere now that people are acknowledging root causes, which is what, you know, the topic of my book is that this is an interview is for and that project. So, um, yeah, um, do you feel so again, the divide between people who are who are treating symptoms um, versus acknowledging um, incidences of trauma, um, how do you, how do you see, um, results maybe, or, uh, in those two categories, people right. healing, people not healing, people staying right. stuck. And, you know, even in my own practice, I have people that you want to kind of talk about the symptoms and they don't want to dive into those more painful places. And so it can be effective right um but for me i'm like well let's not treat the symptoms let's go in there and grab what's at the base of it and clear it yeah so, so we okay we treated this symptom well what other symptom might pop up around that because we haven't cleared the, the root yeah right, right? um but and you know but everybody's different some people are like yeah i'm having you know this problem in my life i want to come to therapy and i'm going to do my you know basic whatever treatment for depression and i'm going to be fine and it's going to help and that's great and that's great yeah but if it helps them wonderful but for me again i like to the, the way i practice is dropping into those places of mystery and it a lot so you know it's unconscious material that's stuck in there absolutely yeah so again just going back to the fact that these are oftentimes wounds that were developed before there was a full a brain developed. Absolutely. So can you, can you, um, again, just, just technically, um, 
Can you talk a little bit about the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system and what happens um, or even just anything else more technical that you can describe around um, the, the body's reaction? Sure. Yeah. Um, so you're right. A lot of these things happen uh, prior to complete brain development, which is usually around the, the age of 26 is when our brain stops really for, forming, right? <laughs> Some of them are even pre-verbal. You know, you think of infants who are traumatized in whatever way they are. And our, our whole body system is connected, obviously, right? It's not just our brain and then our body. There's that connection. Mm -hmm. And every cell in our body has a memory of the events. So, you know, we can't like call it up in our, you know, prefrontal cortex or, you know, our, our memory, that part of our memory, our, our limbic system, our hippocampus has those memories encoded in there. Right. Right. And so when we, you know, we're going through life, we get triggered, you know, we go in that, that fight, flight, freeze, submit, attach, you know, our nervous system is activated. Um, the parasympathetic nervous system is what calms us down. It's the, our regulating system. Mm -hmm. It's the sympathetic nervous system that pops us into those trauma responses and our heart rate goes up and our breathing changes and, you know, we can shake, we can do all these, our body's remembering all of this. Right. Even right. though the brain can't. Yeah. And so with, with trauma really activating, um, that parasympathetic nervous system mm -hmm. get us emotionally regulated again is key to mm -hmm. our trauma responses yeah. you know and there's a lot of research going on now eye movement and things like that mm -hmm. you know that we find the optic nerves actually when activated can help activate the polyvagus nerve mm -hmm. and help regulate our system okay yeah. So we, and, you know, and it, we can do breath work. We can do, you know, whatever works for people. But again, this is logic it, lo located in our limbic system. And so to think of our coping strategies in the moment we're triggered is like almost impossible. So when we have people around us that are gentle and loving and nurturing and kind, they say, oh, I love you. Notice what's happening, you know, and help us remember our tools to get emotionally regulated again so we can respond in healthy ways that we want to. Right. Yeah, so it makes me think, because like you said, people around you who are sensitive and attentive. So I'm thinking of the rarity of that in our modern world, that people who are have the capacity for being sensitive and attentive mm -hmm. to those around them, because most people are in, in some state of dysregulation themselves, whether it be the yeah. parents, uh, even even therapists, even caregivers, as we know, are um, often, you know, just because we're in this, uh, it's inevitable. It's it's like just a cycle of time and we're <laughs> enacting out these, mm -hmm. right? So how do we find our way? Um, what is your suggestion for people to, uh, you know, like my personal idea is heal yourself, but like, mm -hmm. yeah. So how, what are your suggestions for, again, um, finding a way to first of all, recognize that you're having symptoms. If to you, they're normal, mm -hmm. you know, is to be on like 
fully like this caffeinated mode, like that's your normal because you're so used to like someone coming, you know, and from any direction that might, you know, attack you or something. So you're like hyper alert and everybody thinks that's normal for you. And people have gotten used to that. What is, and so they can't help you to heal because they think you're normal. That's normal for you. It's such a difficult thing to heal. So how do you, how do you suggest one would begin? Like say they would begin by hearing this and going, oh, I think I might have that. Now what? (laughs) Now what do I do? I think part of recognizing that maybe we have that is our sense that we, we isolate, we avoid, right? Because the world has become an unsafe place. And so recognizing maybe we don't have people around us you know, and, and you're spot on with, let's start with ourselves. Let's heal, heal ourselves. Yeah. And then discernment. Who do, who do we create as our community? Right. I'm curious though, because what I'm, again, what, when I see this sort of pathway that people can this oftentimes end up being re-traumatized and drawing to themselves the same types of people that traumatize them, then isolating is actually effective because you are not, otherwise you're going to be drawn. If you're still putting out that signal to draw in the same negative uh, community to you, then you're actually in self-protection mode by not exposing yourself to that. So what would be the shift that would carry you to safely to attracting better support and better community? I'm sort of an advocate of, of isolating if that's what, um, to heal, you know, like being in a little cocoon. It's definitely damage control, right? Right. It's damage control. Um, but we, we are hardwired to be connected with others, right? I mean, we talk about mirroring neurons and things like that, that hopefully have happened for people when they're born and they're, they have a caregiver, a parent that, or grandparent, whoever is loving, nurturing, looking in their eyes, um, you know, mirroring neurons that we, we learn to love ourselves, but often that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, I, I think we have to start by saying my life's not working for whatever reason. And, you know, what, what is, what is not working? And I, you know, again, my bias is find a trauma, trauma-informed healer of some type. It's not just therapists. There's lots of, you know, movement practitioners and, you know, clergy can be helpful or, you know, any, anybody who's trauma informed can be helpful because what was wounded in relationship needs to be healed in relationship. We can do a lot of our own work together on ourselves, but at some point that, that mirroring needs to happen to heal those trauma-based relationship issues right yeah i guess i'm, I'm going back to what you said about mirror neurons because if we're if the mirror if the neurons that we're mirroring were dangerous right that's we're, we're mirroring whatever neurons are around us so and that's why we repeat the types of relationships we have right that's normal yeah and this healing journey is a hard one. You know, it is that self-awareness of looking at ourselves and going, what, what is going on in my life that's not working? What is it in me? 
not that, gee, I'm a bad person, I'm doing something wrong, but what's been wounded? Where, where, you know, where do I need to, to heal so I can attract those healthy people in my life? Okay, so I'm going back to my questions. Um, let's see. So how is trauma-informed therapy different than other types of therapy? Because I think you're, again, I think you're other types of therapy are addressing symptoms, which is great. I mean, like we all need symptom management. For me, it's not getting to the root. And again, my bias is so many of our DSM diagnoses really, are they really what they are or are they misdiagnoses of trauma symptoms? It makes me wonder, you know? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, okay. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I know like uh, Gabor Mate just came out with a new movie um, documentary about healing trauma. And there's a lot of people who are trying to get the word out, you know, mm -hmm. um, and what is your feeling about like prognosis for the culture being better informed about this kind of work? I definitely see there is improvements going on, you know, just in my own kind of healing journey of the fire service, they actually recognize now like, oh, this is a thing. And they, you know, they send people to treatment, things like that. There are a lot of documentaries and films and podcasts and all these things coming out around trauma. And I, I actually, I think maybe a silver lining of, you know, the COVID, the coronavirus, our, our world has been traumatized to a degree by that. And hopefully more healing practices will, you know, come from that and be recognized as like, yeah, the, you know, our nation, our world just went through an abnormal event, a, a long one. And mm -hmm. so, you know, how can that change how we view the world, how we change our nation, how we change our school systems? Now, there's a lot of work going on too in this school systems with trauma informed teaching. Um, and that's where we really need to start is with the little ones. Yeah. You know? Well, especially after they've been forced to wear masks, <laughs> a little traumatizing, I'm sure. Right. And um, your peers, and, you know, just on and on and on the world got kind of turned upside down. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, I'm curious, like, you know, I'm really curious about kindness general, generally. I think um, if we, I think that there is a, a lot of, um, again, you know, making uh, people show up with their symptoms, with their uh, issues, their lack of confidence or whatever it may be. And people like very often can be faced with unkindness or not. Um, there's not like a welcoming, like, oh, you know, you, you seem like you're having a hard time. It's more like, oh, you know, 
I guess you're not going to make it uh, with the, the team here. Like you're just going to get left on the side of the road. Like if you, there's, I, I feel like there's not a, a lot of um, people maybe again, keeping tabs on each other and supporting each other through, uh, you know, if we can notice that maybe someone's having a hard time, how, how can we include them? Um, I mean, our, our world has gotten so nuclear, you know, and individually focused that um, a lot of people don't have time for other people's problems and stuff like that. Right. Um, and it, again, it, unless someone knows that they, you know, need to go get some, I mean, you can go get some professional help, but you still need actual, you know, people in your life who are, are willing to sit with you when you're having um, your symptoms arising and not a, necessarily abandon you or treat you differently or, you know, that would be another reason somebody would want to isolate, right? It's like, you know, it's, it's that the people around them aren't sensitive enough to be with them. And it's more alienating to be with people than to be alone mm -hmm. until you can find your way safely to the self-acceptance that allows you to be around other people who are maybe not understanding your needs. Exactly. I mean, well said. Yeah. And it does come from that place of healing. And, and I think as, as just humans, as we bring our awareness to this, as we learn about ourselves, that we walk in the world with love and kindness in our heart. Yeah, absolutely. Not, no matter where we go and no matter how people are responding to us, you know, just sometimes it's really hard, but to smile and say, wow, I'm, you know, you're having a bad day, but bless you. Yeah, yeah. Um, gets hard. It's, it's, it, I say, you know, we live amongst the walking wounded. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's my that's my perception for sure um, of our modern world, and you know um, that if you that it's sort of each each to their own. You know, it's like you know if you're having a hard time, well, that's on you. You know, right. you're gonna have to figure that one out for yourself and maybe we've come to that place, uh, but the tragedy that we have that ethic culturally that everybody should have to, you know, be able to take care of all their own needs or something, especially in the face of, um, you know, so, so much of the abuse and the things that lead to this day is dysregulation, which is, it's just, it's horrible. And, horrifying so a common term being used now is our our vibration right instead of raising our vibration and just letting that kind of emit into wherever we go i think does help on a planetary level because yeah. that, that really that is how we're going to heal is within ourselves and then sharing that out yeah yeah um yeah, I just, wow, I think we're, it's such a, again, I, I really feel like 2020 was, like you said, the benefit of 2020 was um, that we could collectively experience this and sort of get to a level, quote unquote, level playing field. And yeah. although, you know, I don't know how well we're doing, I, I, 
what is your perception being in that in the world of therapists like are there a lot of um uh solution-based uh things coming about since 2020 and an awareness of bringing these There's definitely lots of talks around that you know i do consultation groups and connect with other therapists and other trainings and there's definitely awareness around that mm -hmm. um, and I think it is going to increase you know some of the trauma-informed work other people are going to be looking at it because again it's been a worldwide event that how can we ignore that yeah 100 um, percent yeah so yeah that's my that would be my hope yeah you know we all really look at all you know all healing practitioners are like yeah people have been traumatized we need to deal with that yeah 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 wow um gosh well, I'm, I'm trying to stay focused because it's such a big topic, such a big topic. Um, <laughs> um so yeah i mean i again you know we well, I just think it's so important to just, again, the, the most, the, the easiest thing to do is to raise awareness. Mm -hmm. Like that is the, because anybody can, you know, you don't have to get a degree. You don't have to like, right. You just have to become aware that this is happening, you know? Right. Yeah. And there's, you know, and then that awareness leads to learning more and better understanding and, and then again, how we walk in the world, whoever we are, to recognize in others what's happening so we can respond, you know, like, oh, that person's responding from a wounded place versus what a jerk, I'm going to yell at you. Yeah. Like, that's not helpful. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so the more we, we have that awareness, the more we can respond, respond with that kindness. That's helping just in itself right there. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious, it, it makes me, because I'm very curious about, again, um, you know, the, the, the steps that it takes to climb out of this experience, right? Because, so what is your feeling about, because this is a podcast, so it's airing, it's actually airing, uh, anybody internationally can listen to this. Mm -hmm. I've had people in the Philippines, I guess, who are listening. I don't know how many of them, but that showed up on my stats. But uh, <laughs> and so, um, you know, obviously we're in different climates, social climates and uh, political climates. And so um, what is your thought about when you're in a climate that is very socially repressed or a PTSD dominant? How do you when everybody it's so common and normal for this this energy that's set in of negativity and uh fear yeah. and mistrust how do you then navigate how do you find your way out of that and what is your what are your thoughts on that you know that that is definitely <clears throat> a great challenge right and so many so many places don't have the opportunities we have in our nation um, but again, you, uh, traditional roots to ceremony, ritual, you know, there's a lot of healing can, that can happen with that. Turning to our elders, you know, I mean, really accessing traditional healing methods can also be very powerful with this, this work. Um, but yeah, like if you're living in a war, 
you know, war zone, you're traumatized every single day. You're living in fear. Like, how do you heal? I, you know, yeah, I don't know, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, it's a big question. It's a big question. Like, somehow you have to s stop the ongoing damage. You yeah. Know? Um, get, get out of the war zone. And so many people can't. It's just not an option. It's not an option. Yeah. And um, I don't mean to play the, you know, the, a pessimist, but the question that I, I want to ask too is because we inherit this trauma from our ancestors mm -hmm. often, then how is going to our elders helping us? And I don't mean any disrespect to anybody by asking that, but I'm it's a it's a genuine question I have. Sure. Um, I think I think as we become elders, our knowledge base shifts and we do learn from our life experiences. And we can reflect on what worked, what didn't. And then maybe we can teach younger people, like, this is not working, this doesn't work. Don't do what I did, mm -hmm. try this. What would, you, what would you recommend for somebody seeking mentorship? What are, I, I'm really curious, like what, what are some red flags that you're not, you're not with a good mentor? that you've found someone who maybe hasn't healed themselves and that you should look to find someone who is not going to pass on their trauma to you? Um, you know, I, I would say, what is, what's your body tell you? What mm -hmm. does the body register? You know, that polyvagus nerve again, it's like our gut sense. Our gut knows it's mm -hmm. connected in, in because we have cellular memories of everything, right? It's like, does this feel right in my body to connect with this person? Or am I having kind of that energy, uncomfortable reaction mm -hmm. um, for whatever reason? Yeah. So trusting yourself, does this feel right? Or my little red flags going up? Trust those little red flags. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and I'm and I'm just know from again the the five trauma responses: the um, fight, flight, freeze, attach, and submit. So when you get into the attach and submit, you have when you have attach trauma, you will it would be hard to walk away from somebody mm -hmm. who you found who you want to attach to as a mentor or healer teacher. Mm -hmm. When you start to feel the red flags, how do you how do you how do you reconcile that in your system when everything in you is like no, but I found them and I I can't leave and. I mean, I don't know why this is coming up, but like, I think this is real in our, in our culture right now. And I know a lot of people are dealing with this on their healing paths where they're trying to find mentors and teachers and they keep, they end up getting abused again or, and it's very confusing and scary for people. It really is. And you're, yeah, yeah. you're spot on with that. We do over attach with, again, you know, that mirroring neuron of, oh, this is what's normal that's what i'm that's what i'm specifically concerned about because i because trauma is so prevalent that you know it is likely that that's going to be the case in your journey right and i word to the wise because when you're healing it, you, you may think oh i found this person and i'm out of the hole now but you may have a, a while longer until you can actually see the light and just not give up hope right that you have to just keep affirming making those choices so i don't mean to interrupt you because you were on looking you know again if it says a going and again you know 
for me, <clears throat> being humble. If you're if your healer is a humble person, mm-hmm. not in their ego, they're not. You know, they they recognize they have their own work to do. Yeah, you have a better chance. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, because yeah, I'm I'm so because again, um, when I've explained the five trauma responses to people. You know, I've said, okay, well, the fight, flight, and freeze is your nervous system, usually from an acute trauma, but the attach and submit are, are only from repetitive trauma. Like that's, that's a learned behavioral conditioning response is attach and submit. They're, they're a hypo aroused response. Hypo aroused. Hypo aroused, where the other three are the hyper aroused. Yes. Hypo aroused and often related to the developmental trauma meaning childhood trauma. Yes, absolutely. Because our brains formed, you know, um, hypo means to shut down. Hyper means to expand just for people listening. Cause I've when I yeah. studied that with Ayurveda. Um, so we're learning about, you know, what happens when you shut, when the system shuts down a hypo mm-hmm. response. Um, that's like a freeze response including attach and submit because again people don't even talk about that they talk about fawn now right you know with that term right, right. yeah I've heard that, yeah yeah so that kind of includes attach and submit when but again their survival instincts so as a child if i attach to you caregiver yeah no matter how abusive or drunk or whatever you are you're right. not gonna let me die is that survival mode right and that's how deep it goes when we look at attachment stuff in adulthood, like mm-hmm. we can't get out of an abusive relationship, but if I attach to you, yeah. you're not gonna let me die. I mean, it's that core. It's not our thinking process, obviously, but it's that, that subcortical brain that's yeah trying to keep us alive and then submit, you know, um, often in abusive relationships of like, if I just do what you want me to do, you're not gonna kill me very, very sad. Right. And, and again, I think what's my observation is we had fight, flight, and freeze that were people were talking about, but I feel like culturally with all the stuff that's coming out culturally, the me too movement and all the, sorry, but you know, the sex trafficking stuff, that's very rising into our, into our collective zeitgeist. It's all about attach and submit. And people didn't, um, these are complex trauma responses and people um, are they're, they're very hush hush about these things because they're so horrific we don't want to talk about them or acknowledge them and so they're not necessarily seen as bad behaviors true. freeze it's like what's wrong with you true true like, like isn't that what our government wants us to do <laughs> right and I was political, <laughs> you know, it's like it's nation trains us to do just go well, along. Right. And I, it makes me think of people who are like, say in their corporate environments who are submitting to their boss or submitting to these horrible schedules or, and they don't realize that's a trauma response. Right. They're not speaking up for themselves and saying, this doesn't work for me. Right. And that's normalized and like perpetualized because it, it keeps people in power. I mean, these are deep systemic issues, obviously we're yeah. talking about. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. Gosh. 
And again, like I said, it makes me think like we can't necessarily come up with a solution between us right now, but at least to discuss it can help people go like, oh my God, that's, that's right. This is wrong. This is just wrong that, you know, and, the, and then the more people have that, have that awareness, then the systems can start to change. Right. So I don't know, just, can you, can you describe, and then maybe we'll, we'll wrap up with this, just, can you describe some behaviors that are of these five responses um, that we perceive as normal in our culture? Mm-hmm. Well, I think you just named, you know, the submit and attach in, in, in systems and workplaces and things. Yeah. Like, I, I, you know, staying in, I kind of do my little spiel of like fight, play, freeze. I like to talk about the deer in the woods. Um, you know, and so you have the deer and he's munching his little grass and he's happy and he's, the breeze is blowing all of a sudden he gets a scent and there's a cougar out there, right? And his little brain goes, oh my gosh, the cougar can kill me. Mm-hmm. Let's see. I think I feel really, really strong today, so I'm going to fight. So he thinks he's going to fight the cougar and then the deer goes, oh, I don't think I'm that strong. And so the deer says, oh, I'm really fast. I'm going to run. So he thinks I'm going to run out of here and get away from the cougar and then he thinks i'm not that fast so then he freezes mm. still he doesn't blink he doesn't breathe he doesn't mm. flinch he's perfectly still and i see a lot of freeze responses with people mm. and they don't know they're doing it yeah right um and that though but those are all life-saving strategies and then i you know we, we look at children who attach they stay you know they attach to that caregiver who's or partner who's not healthy for them, no mm-hmm. matter what they do. And then um, I'd like to reference, you know, abusive relationships that submit trauma response. Mm-hmm. I'll do anything you want. Mm-hmm. You know, so if we're doing any of those things, if we can't be with people and we want to exit out the door all the time, because our bodies, our, our little amygdala is going danger, danger, danger. If we want to run, if we find ourselves constantly, you know, getting activated and, and fighting and you know, in unhealthy ways or mm-hmm. danger. It's like, what's that about? Mm-hmm. If we can't breathe, what's that about? Mm-hmm. How many people live their life holding their breath? Mm-hmm. So, and if you just feel dysregulated, if your body's just, I always say I have a cheese grater in my body, it feels so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, something's up right now for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah your body your body yeah that is beautiful thank you so much for saying that because again why do we have cancer why do we have um hypo hyper uh, blood sugar issues it's because we're regulated to being in uncomfortable situations and getting having to force ourselves to stay in them because we don't think we have a way out or we think it's normal yeah, so we get sick. So we get sick. Right. It's our body's way of saying you're you need to get out and get to a better place or you're gonna die. <laughs> you're gonna right. get really sick. And that's where we see addiction coming too. They're trying to get to a better place. Oh gosh. Yeah. Wow. This is like, yeah, this is quite this is just a little scratch on the surface of such a large an extremely important 
uh, topic that we're, so I just want to thank you for doing the work that you do and for coming on today. Thank you and, for having me. It's been a wonderful conversation with you. Yeah, it's been, it's been a little intense and got goosebumps and all the fun things. <laughs> and maybe, yeah. And I hope people across the world are listening to your podcast. Oh yeah, I, I hope so too. Um, I, I just, I hope that people are listening to these conversations in any way possible and may, may this be a contribution to that. Absolutely. Do you want to tell how, uh, how people can get in touch with you? Are, are you interested in sharing your information? You know, all? I do have a website, drkayanazalish.com. Maybe people can reach me that way. Um, okay. Find me on the web. Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes so people can check it out if they're interested yeah you can put my phone number in there you have that There's okay it's fine too. yeah and, and, you know i i really do think that one of the keys for people if if they're wanting a practitioner is that there's transparency with their practitioner yeah yeah that the practitioner recognizes they're human and that they they need to do their own work too yeah and, you know i have my own brain spotter that i yeah. you know and and so yeah, it's important that we all stay well. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Especially, even more importantly in these these roles, because you're caring so much for so many people. So, yeah. well, blessings on your journey, Julia. Well, thank you, Kiana. You as well, and um, yeah. And I, I hope you have a, a beautiful day. You too, and we'll talk again. Okay. All right. Thank Take you. care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.